Hey everybody, welcome to episode 19 of the Go Get Outside podcast. This is your host, Jason Milligan. If you are a regular listener and you voraciously devour a new episode each day it comes out, you may notice that today it is Wednesday and not Thursday. These episodes tend to come out on Thursday. So yes, this episode has come out a day early here on Wednesday because tomorrow is Christmas Eve. As a gift from us here at the podcast to you, we are delivering you this 19th episode of the podcast. So you may blare it as you sit around roasting chestnuts over an open fire with your family. You can listen to this in between repeats of I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus and Baby It's Cold Outside. That's where Go Get Outside podcast should exist. In between those two questionable Christmas time songs. On today's show, Peak Bagging Chick. That is not her name on her birth certificate, just in case you were wondering. It is a name she took on in 2014 when she decided she would like to climb 100 peaks in one year. Prior to that, she had been very active in the outdoor community. She even runs an outdoor women's meetup group called Her Own Trail. You could find that on meetup.com. So she was not new to the outdoors, but she was indeed new to peak bagging. And if you're not clear what peak bagging is, that will be explained shortly. Spoiler, it's basically climbing mountains. So much earlier this year, she and I got together in a local climbing area up north of Los Angeles called Texas Canyon, and we discussed her attempt to climb 100 peaks in one year despite fate intervening and trying to derail her plans with a nasty, nasty staph infection. Let's get to the show. All right, well, this is Peak Bagging Chick. I am a peak bagger. Uh, I guess I've climbed last year 100 peaks, and this year I am trying to do the California 14ers, but don't hold me to it. (laughs) Wait, wait, so you could do 100 last year, and then now you're not going to hold yourself? How many 14ers are there? Well, I think there's 12 solid 14ers, and then there's, what, three soft 14ers? Okay, so you could do 100 last year, but you can't hold yourself to 15 this year? The San Gabriels are a little different from the Sierras. (laughs) Explain what peak bagging is, because I think a lot of people have no idea what that is. Yeah, I get that a lot, actually. Well, for one, if you're going to describe the type of person, it's usually a type A personality. Someone who wants to just get to the summit, kind of, no matter what they have to do, usually finding the fastest way to get there. And then really the point is just to get to the top of a peak. I'm not interested in really doing a, a trail just for the fun of the trail I want to get to the top and get to the summit which can kind of be problematic and then you get your selfie and then you update your twitter feed yeah yeah that's why that's why you do it right yeah pretty much it was (laughs) that was really the beginning of it was like okay I'm going to take a photo on every peak and then it became like oh my god I forgot to take a photo and I'm halfway down and then you have to turn around and go back up right I've done that once and I've said never again after that do you sign the register at the top every time? If there's a register, yes. If I can find it, absolutely. <laughs> do you draw a picture in it or like write a poem uh, or like do a little kid's no, kindergarten fingerprint? I do uh, total like self-promotion at Peak Bagging Chick. <laughs> 
Um, hashtag 100 peaks in 2014. <laughs> and then I write the number of the peak. So what you're saying is you're a mountain climbing whore. Yeah, and I want <laughs> the attention. <laughs> I want to make sure everyone knows I did this and come look at my picture. <laughs> so you did 100 last year, right? I did. Well, I actually did a little bit more than 100, but I didn't count some of them. I did a few unnamed peaks actually pretty close to where we are over in uh, Palmdale. There were a few unnamed peaks that I felt like mm, they, it just wasn't hard enough. So I'm just going to kind of not count that. And there were a couple peaks that I didn't know I had done. <laughs> until afterwards so my friend's like oh you're actually already at 100 and I'm like shh did you do one of those things where you climbed to the top and then you looked at the register and you said oh we're we're in the wrong place we climbed the wrong mountain no I've I've never 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 done that but I have gotten to the top of a peak and realized that there were other peaks close by that people had written in the register oh just did such and such and, and I'm like oh I'm gonna add four peaks to the day so, it tends to be a longer day than you anticipate so why did you want to do 100 in one year so January 4th 2014 I I went to the Southern Sierra and I did, I don't know if you've heard of Five Fingers by Owens Peak. I've heard uh, of it, but it's, I'm not It's like a funny it. looking crag that looks like a, a hand with, you know, five nubbins for fingers. We went and climbed that and came down and then we were driving up the road further and we we're going to go do Owens Peak, which is the highest peak in the southern portion of the Southern Sierra. So went to do that and we were coming down and I had just met this guy, Fran, who was a peak bagger and he's trying to do all of the peaks in San Gabriel's, every single one. So I was like, oh, you know, I want to make a, a goal for 2014. I think I'm going to do 100 hikes. My friend Bob did 100 hikes last year, and that sounds pretty, like, doable, you know, two a week. And, and he was like, no, you need to do 100 peaks. And I'm like, oh, I'm not a peak bagger. I have no interest in peaks. I don't care. I really wasn't at that point. And he's like, no, do 100 peaks. And I thought about it. We had, like, a four-hour drive home. So I'm thinking, you know, this is really outside of anything I would do. It's really uncomfortable for me, and maybe this is something I should try. So that's... That was like by the end of the drive, it was like 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do 100 peaks. And I had two done. So I started so, the day. So what you're two. saying is you weren't really a peak bagger. And then you said, oh, I think I'll get into this peak bagging thing. Yeah. What is the most ridiculous goal I can give myself? Yeah, and that's it, what it really, did. I was like, this is stupid, but I should probably do it. It was like someone just put a challenge in front of me and I'm like, oh, well, of course you've said it. Now I have to do it. So were you averaging two a week? No, no, no. So I felt great. I had two. Um, that first day and I was like yeah I'm ready like you know 98 to go so <laughs> then like the later that following weekend I did four in one day and I was like yeah I'm already ahead of the game I'm like gonna kick this ass like <laughs> there's no way like this is gonna kick my ass I'm just gonna finish this like in June I'll be done and I think I did maybe four more and then February and March I think I spent those entire months sitting on the couch eating ramen noodles and just like watching television feeling totally unmotivated <laughs> so so you figured you would sit on your ass for a little bit so that you could build up the, <laughs> you could build up the pressure so that you just have to do them all at the last minute um no I mean I just procrastinated and I was like really high off of the first you know 10 and then I was just oh that was fun but this couch is really nice and I'm gonna sit here and and I just kept like oh it's all right I'm in a bit of a rut right now it'll be okay and then I think April rolled around and it was I just realized oh my god I'm so far behind I have to do so many a week now or or just so many a day so I, I just had to start picking it up and it still it took me until June to get caught up where I was halfway so I had a goal I was like okay, hey, I have to do this many and I was like scratching off numbers and just going and going and going and then June rolled around and I finally like made it by like 
like one final peak I finished and I was like, okay, I'm halfway done, 52, finally. <laughs> so you initially thought like, oh, no problem, I'll do 100 by June. And yeah. then June comes along and you had to I'm struggle to get halfway. barely getting halfway, yeah. You got your ego Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I was so lazy and then, and just, yeah, I went from being like, oh, I can do this to just being like, oh, I can do this and I can be lazy. And then it was not good. Were you already physically fit enough to do it or did you find you had to struggle a lot to get into the shape? That's a lot of mountain peaks yeah. to climb in one year. January 4th, I was like still carrying a little bit of holiday weight. <laughs> um, I was pretty out of shape, huffing and puffing, feeling altitude or what I thought was altitude. I think it was just lack of cardio preparation. But it was 8,000 feet, and I'm like, oh, I can't breathe. I think it's the altitude. <laughs> I think it was just I was, you know, had a little bit too much pie the previous day. But um, it did build me up because by June and July, I was probably the strongest I'd been in my life at that point. So you were trucking. Yeah, I was like, I was, and I was doing a lot of um, spin classes because I was learning that when I went to altitude, if I had been doing spin pretty regularly, it was helping me um, build up my lung capacity and I was just feeling really strong. So that's what helped a lot then. Was, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Just in conjunction with, I mean, I was hiking a ton. I was hiking like three days a week and then doing spin like one or two. I was just like, felt great. Did you have a hard time fitting all that into your schedule? Because you're looking at what, a full day for, for each peak on average or were you able to mix some together so that yeah you... most days like I kind of learned pretty fast that if I can't do multiple peaks in one day I don't want to do it unless it, it has to be like a really deserving mountain <laughs> so um, in the St. Gabriel's it's great because you can get on a ridge and just like go hit a bunch or you can do what I, I would do sometimes and just drive up the two come to a parking spot park there go run up hit this peak, you know, maybe five miles, come back down, keep driving down, go to the next one, and just spend a day just up and down the two. Try did, to do as many as I can in a day. Did you enjoy doing the 100, or at some point did it feel like an obligation you just had to meet? Uh, <laughs> it felt like an obligation, but I enjoyed it too. Like, there were days where I had the best time, and there were days where I was just, just felt horrible and was like, why am I doing this? I'm literally killing myself right now. This is awful so it just went back and forth it just depended on the day and if I did a Saturday peak bagging trip and then Sunday I did it again I was miserable and if anyone was there with me they were miserable <laughs> <laughs> so misery loves company yeah kind of I was just like grumpy and horrible and I think my peak bagging friends don't even want to talk to me anymore <laughs> <laughs> did you think about quitting at any point or did you almost quit it at some point yeah I wanted to quit all the time especially well I got the infection so that I really yeah, wanted so, to quit. So tell us about that. So that, that was gnarly. You <laughs> yeah, were telling me about that earlier, and yeah. that sounds terrible. So in July, I was up on Mount Gould or Gold. I don't know how people pronounce it. I've heard it differently, but it's a thirteen thousand foot peak outside of Independence, kind of near Kearsarge Pass. And I was hiking up above Kearsarge Pass, and I looked down at my finger, and it was my middle finger finger on my right hand, and I noticed that it was really swollen, and it kind of hurt when I touched it. I had my friend look at it, and I said, "Oh, I think this is infected." And the previous week or two, I'd, I'd just started rock climbing with a friend, and I hadn't been really great about washing my hands and getting all the chalk out of my cuticle. A few days after we got back from the Sierra, my finger was getting a little bit worse and went rock climbing with you, actually. And I remember just looking at my finger and being kind of worried because it was not looking great. So that was my first time climbing outside. Oh, was, really? Yeah. That was your first that time ever? That, time. that day at Stony Point? Yeah. And so. then you were rewarded with a horrible <laughs> sickness. Yeah. So the next day, I was, I think I was pretty sore, but I was just like having such a great time with like the beginning of my experience with rock climbing. Like I felt really strong and I just was like, oh, I just want to get stronger. So I went to the gym and I started lifting weights and I lifted like the most I'd ever lifted. And I remember like the so instructor, 600 pounds. Yeah. She was like, look at her, like, look at her face. She's working. And I was like, yeah, I'm pumping. I'm pumping. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I was just like total meathead mode and lifting way too much. And the next, did you throw the weights on the ground like a badass no, afterwards? No, but I did make really uncomfortable noises for everyone Sweet. else. Yeah. <laughs> so I did that, and uh, the next day I knew something was wrong with my arm. I went to the hospital, and they took X-rays, and they said we think you might have either tendonitis or you might have torn your muscle. A little bit more time passed, and I started having fevers. And I went to the doctor for my finger, and they thought it was a staph infection but they didn't think anything of my arm. And the fevers continued to go on, and doctors just kept saying they were not um, associated with one another, and they were more concerned with my fingernail and the finger with the infection. It just got worse and worse, and I was hospitalized once. They knew something was wrong with my body, with these fevers, my arm. I couldn't bend my elbow. I couldn't do much of anything. It took about a month before anyone took me seriously, and I was admitted for the second time. And I spent a week in the hospital, and finally had a surgeon open up my arm and lo and behold, there was two large abscesses that had been eating away at the um, tricep muscle at two different heads of the muscle. That was basically a staph infection and moved up my fingernail and moved into the tricep where I had torn the muscle. So it was a bit of a doozy. <laughs> and that probably impacted your 100 peaks pretty yeah. drastically. Yeah, because um, July I had worked pretty hard to get caught up and then Mount Gould came up and I wanted to get university peak while I was there, but it was... Like the day just went, wasn't going great. Um, we, we got up kind of later and, and just took our time. And then there was some weather coming in, so we couldn't finish that other peak. So we left, and so I got behind again, started climbing a little bit. And then I was like, oh, I really like this. Got a little bit more behind and then got really sick. And that took me out all of August, all of September, all of October. I was not even allowed to do really any kind of exercise, especially with my arm, because they were, I had internal sutures, so they didn't want them to open up or anything. So I was just out of shape, feeling pathetic, and just, you know, back to the couch and ramen. <laughs> and um, November rolled around, and I was given the clearance, and I was just like, oh my god, I feel so, like, just disgusting in my body. I just don't feel, like, physically capable of doing anything that I used to do, and I still have to do 40 peaks, and I was super stressed out about it. And then I just was like, okay, well, I just have to do <laughs> do this. Yeah, that's a lot. So you yeah. had two months to do 40? Two months to do 40. And by then, I needed to do so many peaks in one day. There yeah, was, you had to do five a week yeah, <laughs> to catch up there was no during way, holidays. Yeah, there was no way I had, could even really do it with anyone because most people were not interested in doing that many. And most people that had like organized groups like meetups and stuff, they would do one or two, and they typically were peaks that I'd already done because most of the standard peaks are repeated a lot in meetup groups. I really had to do the 40 by myself, and that was a big challenge, and I cried a lot on peaks because <laughs> I was mad at myself and frustrated at how hard I had to work. <laughs> I finished. And despite everything, it was probably a good year, right? You probably learned a lot about yourself oh, yeah. dealing with meeting this ridiculous goal, <laughs> the sickness, and then fighting procrastination and complacency. Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely learned probably more about myself in 2014 than I've ever learned in any other year of my life because I just had to kick my own ass constantly. <laughs> and I met so many great people and I learned a lot about just the outdoors and how much more capable I am than I realized. So right. it was definitely a life-changing year. And you have a website, right? You have the Peak Bagging Chick I do. website. Did you start that specifically last year for this or had you? did you have that website before? No, so what happened was literally January 4th, like when I decided to do this, I um, was like, okay, how am I going to document this? And my friend Fran's like, get a spreadsheet. And I'm like, that sounds great, but I feel like I want to do something better than that. So Spreadsheets I, are very exciting. Yeah, I love Excel. <laughs> I really do. But um, I thought, you know, I can document this better. Like I want to, I was thinking, you know, oh, this is going to be this grand adventure. I want to really remember it. So I thought, oh, I'll start an Instagram account. And I'll just take a photo 
on every peak, which didn't end up happening. Um, I realized some peaks just were not necessarily worthy of a photo. <laughs> but as my Instagram was going, I was reached out by a woman and she was said, you know, I really love seeing your photos and seeing the places you're going. And would you be willing to start writing a blog about some of the places you go? And so I thought, oh, well, that's interesting because I didn't even really know people looked at my photos. So I did that just kind of on a, on a whim and that was that. So that's where peakbaggingchick.com came to be. Are you maintaining that site now or did you meet your hundred and then move <laughs> on? Or um, That was the hard thing was in the end, I, I maintained it pretty well the first few months and then, because it didn't start until about halfway through the 100 Peaks, um, and then I got really sick and that I didn't have time for. It's funny because it seems like, like blogging seems like the kind of thing where you're like, oh yeah, I could just do that in a few minutes. Yeah, no. And then you realize you spent two hours writing some posts people can read in five minutes. Yeah, and they're probably going to send you like complaints about your grammar. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get a lot of that? <laughs> no, because I'm so like crazy about it. I'm like, send it to my husband, send it to my mother-in-law, send it to my aunt. And I'm like, please proofread this. And then I send it to my other friends that are like grant writers because like I need as many eyes on this. I don't want to, I can't handle like the criticism. <laughs> so, so you probably have the most grammatically correct blog out of any blogs that don't pertain to English and grammar. I don't want to take that title because I will get a lot of complaints. <laughs> Maybe someone will make a BuzzFeed list of the top 50 grammatically correct blogs yeah. and maybe you'll be like 35 I'll or something. I'll be like honorary like mention. Maybe so, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Peak Bagging Chick hasn't been really maintained because by the time I was feeling well enough to start posting again I didn't have the time it was all about literally just peak bagging so I've been meaning to I've got so many posts that I have been draft mode that are ready to go but um, I've kind of outgrown my blog the host site so we're actually in the process of moving it over right now it's not so great but it, it's getting better but it'll the be the same URL I yeah. assume yeah peakbaggingchick.com and so now you've done your hundred and now you plan to do all the 14ers specifically in California you said yeah in California how are you doing with that goal so I'm starting in a few weeks I'll be doing Mount Whitney and Muir Peak I've been training doing a lot of rock climbing a lot of ropes training so that I can do some of the more uh, difficult peaks like uh, Starlight Thunderbolt and such I feel like physically I'm I'm just more concerned about making sure that my body can handle some of the the harder peaks so I think I'll be all right and that you're trying to make that goal by the end of the year yeah pretty much devoted June and July well basically June through September is going to be all about like every weekend I plan to be up in Sierra are there any that you've been on so far that stand out amongst the hundred is like the place you're glad you made it up to there's been a lot of places I'm glad I made it up to but I think there's a group of five or so peaks. No, I think it was more than five uh, that I'm glad I made it out of. <laughs> um, I did solo um, right after one of the big snowstorms, like the one only big snowstorm we had, I think in December. I did Islip and Hawkins, Middle Hawkins, Sadie Hawkins, South Hawkins, all those up there. And uh, I did it, like I said, solo, but it was, you know, post holing sometimes to my knee, sometimes to my waist did not expect how slow that was going to make me and I ended up being out there well after dark made a really amateur stupid mistake and the sun was setting and the sun sets a lot earlier when you're up in the mountains because it just gets behind a ridge and then you're out in the dark yeah it's kind of hard to gauge that sometimes you yeah. think like oh I've got till six or seven and yeah. then you forget no you really have till four thirty. I was just tired it ended up being a 12-hour day I wanted to get down and I was on this this fire road and it was like a switchback road and I looked at my GPS my map and thought oh if I just go straight down this chute 
I can get to the parking lot. It's only a half mile versus going the next five miles on these switchbacks. So I decided to go straight down and then the sun set behind the ridge and it got really dark. And then I realized I was coming off of like 30 foot drop and Um. I had come down 500 feet and it was all scree. There was no way to get down and to get back up took a lot of effort and I lost some gear on the climb up because it was like a crawl. I was terrified because I was out in the dark alone, just me and my headlamp and my backpack and realized that no one knew that I would be off trail and I just was like mad at myself and climbing up and told myself, okay, when you get to the road, you can cry, but you can't lose, you know, (laughs) lose it until you get to the road. Once you get there and I was crawling through manzanita bushes and through branches, I'm just climbing, climbing like all on all fours and I get to the road all of a sudden. I didn't even know it. I just all of a sudden came out of this bush and popped out on the road and then I'd be like oh I'm here I got up dusted myself off and I was like okay I can cry then it was like no time for that let's get out of here (laughs) but yeah I mean I came home and I had bruises all over my legs just up and down Um, I lost a trekking pole everything was like scratched up and holes in my pants it was just really big learning lesson and and really scary and and I was glad it was over. <laughs> I was like, my hundred peaks is trying to kill me. So, so you you recommend that as everyone's first? Yeah, definitely that do that. Do a solo hike in the snow and don't pay attention to the sun. It was a tough day. So, a hundred hikes. How many fifteeners did you say? Fourteeners. I mean, 15ers. I'm sorry. Four, yeah, how oh, many fourteeners? <laughs> you said fifteen fourteeners. Yeah. Right? So you have fifteen of those to do. I'm have committed you, to the twelve hard fourteeners. I've I've said I've said like oh you know. I mean, Mir is a soft 14er, so if I don't do I mean, I, I'm going to do it because it's so easy, but but the other two, I'm like, eh, we'll see. Let's try to focus on the hard 14ers first. So have you thought beyond that yet? Oh, gosh, no. I try not to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't even allow myself to think of anything other than the 100 peaks when I was in the middle of 100 peaks, so... That's probably a good idea yeah. to keep focus on the goal Usually at hand. at the end of the year, like it's winding down. I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then this year, my husband actually suggested, um, and he had suggested it the previous year. Well, you know, maybe you do all the 14ers. Of course, you know, the non-outdoorsy guy would say that because he doesn't have to do it. Although so. I seem to remember he climbed pretty well, so. Yeah, he likes to think that. <laughs> <laughs> so other than grabbing all these peaks or bagging all these yeah, peaks, excuse me, them. opposed to bagging all these peaks... What else do you do? You're part of a female outdoor organization, correct? Yeah, so I'm a part of a couple. So one of the things I'm working on is getting um, part of Peak Bagging Chick. The Instagram, I got a lot of positive feedback from women who were saying, you know, I love what you do. You inspire me. I want to get out there. I don't know where to start. Or I want to live vicariously through you. Or just saying, you know, I get to see these photos and I only wish I could do something like that someday. And, and most of the peaks I was doing are really readily available very close to Los Angeles. You know, not that difficult when you compare them to other things. I started this meetup group called Her Own Trail, and it was the idea that it would eventually evolve into a nonprofit, which we're working on now. And it's an organization to help women kind of figure out what they want to do in the outdoors. Um, so dream it up. We'll help them plan it out. We'll help them train for it. And then we're going to help them achieve it. But to also recognize that some of the things you learn in the outdoors can kind of move into your real everyday life. And so the idea is that you discover what your own trail is um, on the, the physical trail, but also, you know, the urban trail in a sense. So. And these activities, it, it's not just peak bagging no. or something like that. It's open to all types of outdoor activities? Yeah. So, okay. I mean, I've met people who have said, I just want to do a three-mile hike. And I'm like, gosh, that seems so easy. But, I mean, that's based off of where I'm 
I'm at physically right now. So even as little as helping someone do a three mile hike, definitely do that. Or, you know, I've had someone who says my dream is to do Mount Baldy. And so, you know, let's train for that. And then there's other people who want to do Mount Whitney's and it's not necessarily like that's peak bagging, but there's other people who just want to go out and see something spectacular. Maybe they just want to go out and backpack and, and see the Sierra for the first time, try to help them and, and kind of guide them through the process, but not do it for them. So I'm big on, you know, learn how to do it. That's what I do. I always learn what what it's going to take, how to do it, and then do it myself. There is this big reward. Sometimes I'll go out with people who haven't done certain activities, haven't climbed or haven't hiked something. And when you take them out somewhere and you, you get to watch them experience the first time and you get to watch them discover something about themselves mm-hmm. that they didn't know existed. Yeah. There's and there's this- kind of a great thing there. There's this girl, Meredith, that I take out. So I'm also the team leader for the Southern California Outdoor Women's Alliance. We have a grassroots team, um, and it's all about promoting women, just having an opportunity to get together and get outdoors in kind of like a friendly, kind of non-formal setting. Just kind of post, oh, I want to do this, and people can get together and and go and do it. And some of the things I'm doing with them, planning a hike at the Grand Canyon, we're going to do rim to rim in about two weeks. And we've been training for it, and one of the girls, Meredith, her husband is deployed, and she has been hiking and learning from, from some of the veteran hikers and just training for it. And this is her first time really getting out by herself, and it's so amazing to see her because she gets up. Like yesterday we did San Gorgonio, and she just gets up there, and it's like the highest she's ever been, the longest hike she's ever done, and, and it impresses the heck out of me because she's just so strong. And, and she gets up there, and she's just like, I've never seen anything like this, and it's like, you know, I feel inspired when I go do a peak, but then I see this and it's like even it's so much better. Sometimes also when you bring people out who haven't had that experience, they remind you mm-hmm. why you like it so much, why you fell in love with it. Yeah. Because it's, sometimes it's easy to forget that stuff and then get wrapped up in the technical aspects or, or goals or things like that. Yeah, because that first peak that I did, or the second peak um, on that first day that I started the peak bagging challenge, there was Owen's peak, and I said I was carrying a little holiday weight. I, <laughs> I was, like, uncomfortable. I was miserable. I was talking really down to myself, saying, you know, why did you let yourself go like this? You were in great shape four months ago. I was mad at myself and, and thinking that I'm never going to get up there, and then I got up to the top, and I could see Mount Whitney in the distance, and I was just just in awe and I now when I have girls then we go up and they have the same experience I, I get that reminder of Owen's Peak and how powerful it was for me that that brings up something that I think about a lot one of the things I tell people sometimes when they want to start getting involved in outdoor stuff is you need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable <laughs> and a lot of people have a hard time getting past that yeah do you have any tips for people because you're just talking about how you know you're trying to fight that holiday weight and yeah then sometimes you're just struggling through and Climbing a mountain is a long hike sometimes. It could be miserable. Were there any things you came across, any things you tried that helped you deal with that stuff so that you didn't just give up? Yeah, we just had this conversation, like literally that exact sentence we just <laughs> were talking about yesterday. A couple weekends ago, we did Mount Wilson from the Rim Trail. So we did, we wanted more distance and um, it's a lesser known trail to get to Mount Wilson. But it was rainy and misty and we were all drenched and cold when we got to the top and it was like 30 degrees everyone is miserable and uncomfortable and this girl Meredith is saying same girl is saying you know I'm hot and then I'm cold and then I'm uncomfortable and I can't figure out these layers and my gloves aren't fitting and I'm doing all these things and and what do you do and I literally said you know you have to become comfortable with being uncomfortable and I gosh I wish I had a tip but you just have to like I think you just do it enough you just get used to it and you kind of accept that it's not always you you know you know you can go home and you'll shower and you'll feel great but for this period of time this is how it's going to be and the reward typically whatever the activity is 
you know, make sure the reward outweighs the discomfort. Sometimes the discomfort's kind of nice. I, I've been on trips where they're just miserable for days, and then afterwards you feel like a better person. <laughs> like you, you've struggled through it, and then when it's you're you're done with that struggle, you feel stronger and you feel more capable, and then you're through it. Yeah. And then suddenly little things don't seem like such a big deal anymore. I really like um, the simplicity of like when I go out and spend some time in the Sierra, everything I actually need is just on my back. And it's it's kind of a great metaphor for life. Like I'm carrying everything on my mm -hmm. back. And yeah, it's uncomfortable, but, but look what I'm surrounded with and things that I achieve and I come out and I'm like, okay, well, if I can carry this on my back and, you know, deal with the discomfort, you know, kind of just, it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, and then when you take the pack off and yeah. you have that strange levitating sensation for about 20 minutes. Yeah, especially if you're at altitude, you take it off and you're like, I can run. This is great. <laughs> my feet aren't touching the ground. Yeah, I'm having a state of euphoria. <laughs> if someone wanted to get involved in that group that you've started, where should they go for that? Should I look it up on Meetup or is there a website for it or is that still in the works? You can do one of two things. If you are interested in Her Own Trail, you can search it on Meetup. Uh, just search Her Own Trail Meetup and you'll come across it. It's also got a Facebook page. If you're interested in Outdoor Women's Alliance, um, a lot of the stuff I do, I cross post between the two. So you can't really miss anything if you look for one of the two groups. But you can look on Facebook. It's Outdoor Women's Alliance, Southern California. You can look up uh, Outdoor Women's Alliance dot com online and it will have some information on the grassroots teams and kind of what they're about and then if people want to follow you or find you they can find me on peakbaggingchick.com they can find me on twitter it's actually unfortunately i'm one too many letters for twitter oh really so i'm peak baggin chick oh so just <laughs> drop the g yeah just okay. drop the baggin not bagging <laughs> and then on instagram it's at peakbaggingchick and then Facebook, it's facebook.com slash peakbaggingchick. That's me. You don't have a MySpace? <laughs> uh, I try to keep that private, you know. <laughs> That's for my band. <laughs> Is it really? Do you have no. a band? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I don't know. Because that, be, that would be great. Yeah, if the peakbagging chicks. And it's, yeah. We're a trio. Yeah. You build all your instruments out of <laughs> fallen sequoia trees. Yeah. We have one person in percussion. They just take two rocks and just like, slam them <laughs> against each other. <laughs> and, then, and then they start a forest fire. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I think we've covered pretty much everything. And we can get back to climbing these rocks and being harassed by the 5,000 swallows yeah. flying around. So thanks for meeting me out here. And let's go climb a damn rock. So you all know what time it is now, right? It's time to run to the website, gogetoutside.com slash podcast. Take a look at the show notes for episode 19. That's today's episode, if you've lost count. There you'll find the usual photos of Peak Bagging Chicken Action. You'll find links to her site, her Facebook page, her Instagram, her Twitter account, and also her own trail meetup group and the Southern California Outdoor Women's Alliance. So if you do decide to follow her on any of those social media accounts, you will see immediately that she has spent a large portion of 2015 actively pursuing and progressing as a technical rock climber. And just keeping up with her on Instagram and Facebook, I've seen that she has not only become much more active climbing in the outdoors, but that she's also pushing the grades that she's comfortable leading. And I think it's safe to say that she can now lead grades far harder than I am willing to lead. 
So hats off to you, peak bagging chick. You are now badass climbing chick too. Okay, everybody out there, raise your hand if you'd like to contact the show. Okay, now take that hand down and use that hand to access the internet and email us. Go at butcherbirdstudios.com or you can use that hand to lift up your phone device and you can call us at 818-925-0106. That will not reach any of us here personally, but it will reach our Google voicemail line and you will be able to leave us a three-minute or shorter voicemail message. Do me a favor, call that line and sing me the creepiest, most inappropriate Christmas song you know. It's the holidays. It's the time for the spirit of giving. Do you want to give something to us here at the show? Awesome. Please do. Go to iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you devour this podcast. Subscribe to the show. Rate the show. Review the show. That's what I want for my end of year holiday celebration gift. That's what I want from you guys. Rating and a review. Speaking of people contacting the show, I received an email last week from a listener named Scott. I didn't get his last name. And he was responding to a question I brought up in the outro of the sixth episode. That's right. 13 episodes ago, I had to go back and listen. Well, I didn't really listen. I had to go back and scrub through that episode because I had completely forgotten what he was talking about. Anyway, in episode six, I was talking about how, and this is very appropriate since now Christmas in two days. I was talking about how when I was climbing earlier this year on Cathedral Peak and I was hearing all my carabiners and different protection and everything jingling, it started making me sing Jingle, Jingle, Jingle from the Rudolph Christmas special. And then I asked all of you listening to this to tell me what songs you find yourself singing when you're climbing a route or hiking a trail or whatever. And the best person on earth, Scott, he sent me an email and answered that question. And here to share that email with all of you is the show favorite, Erica. Here I am driving down to Munich this evening, listening to the GOAT podcast for the first time. And what question do I hear but a request for songs I sing while climbing? Well, there are a few, but my favorite, hands down, is the beer song by Psycho Stick. The first time I was observed singing this particular song was on the first pitch of Yardarm, 5'8", at the Stone Mountain, North Carolina. The pitch is a bit run out, 40-ish meters, with two bolts and no options for pro. When my second came up, I mentioned that I had a song running through my head the whole time. He promptly replied, yeah, the beer song? Amazed, I asked him how he knew his reply. Dude, you were singing out loud. Really, really loud. Beer is good! Beer is good! Beer is good! And some beer is good! Beer is good! Beer is good! Let's go drink some beer! Don't worry if that clip of the beer song has you particularly interested. If you go to our website and check out the show notes, go getoutside.com slash podcast episode 19, there will be a link to that beer song. So if that enticed you, you can hear the entire song. Next week, we will also be releasing the episode a day early on Wednesday because of New Year. Next week, Jake Huddleston, the youngest guy who has been on the show yet. I like to refer to him as the cherubic Jake Huddleston. He will be on the show talking about getting into canyoneering, living in a van, and dragging loads and loads 
of heavy camera equipment on his back through wet canyons to make his recently released short video, We Are Canyoneers. So come back next week. Jake Huddleston. See you then.